So, uh, Joe, have you ever been to a strip club? Not one that would have been depicted in this film, certainly. Uh, I've had, I've Not had enough buttholes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> no, I've been the only the only strip club I've actually been to was a male strip club. Hmm. Uh, so it was just just a handful of naked dudes around. Nice. Uh, There's a place down in the strip district called Lucky's. Uh, which, if you go into the first floor, just seems like a regular dive bar. Uh, but then you go upstairs, and the room is very mirrored and very small. And there are two to three just naked dudes dancing on the bar. Huh. I think... <sighs> and a very unperturbed bartender. Unperturbed. Unperturbed. Deeply unperturbed. He is, he is just cal- he's just calm as can be. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think it's either this past weekend or this weekend. Uh, P Town? P Town. Is having a just a naked night. Really? Yeah. Huh. I'm like, you know what? It's kind of interesting. Neat. I kind of want to, if I felt a little better about myself and. <laughs> it has it, it had had some, time. And had some remote recording equipment. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. D-Razzled on location from Naked Night at Pizza. <laughs> oh, God, that'd be so good. I don't know what m- movie we would cover, but... This. Oh, <laughs> We're already no, right. doing it. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess we still have to cover strip tease because that also oh, yeah. won a Razzie yeah. for Worst Picture, if I'm not mistaken. But... <laughs> You're that P-Town, there's still time. <laughs> Which is also a, a gay bar, so it wouldn't quite fit yeah. the uh, movie, but that's fine. Yeah, I've never been to strip club. But, uh, I, I I hadn't before that. I have not been since, and I don't really have a particular drive to go to one. I just so was there anybody dancing? Um, you mean aside from the dancers? Well, were they just like hanging out, or was there like a dance happening? I mean, they were like just kind of grooving to like whatever was playing over the speakers. They're not like okay. it was a very small room. Like okay. there, like there was room for them to dance on the bar, and that's like about it. So they would, like, get up and dance on the bar for a while and then, like, go sit at a table and smoke a cigarette. <laughs> and, like, I, I think that's the experience I would prefer. <laughs> I yeah, can handle it was this. Fairly, yeah. It, it, it was not a big stage production by any stretch of the imagination. It's just, like, you know, one, one guy's kind of a cowboy and one... <laughs> I... So I've always been inti- kind of intimidated to go. Like, I've, not that I've had much of a, a desire. Yeah. But I'm like, well, what am I supposed to do? Is there a lot of like shit happening? But if it's just like, oh, th- most of them are smoking in the corner. Wearing- well, that's the thing is, like, you always like, like I always hear stories about these places where it's like, oh, there's like the back rooms for private dances mm-hmm. and all that, and there's the you know, there's this, that, and the other thing that's happening, and like, no, yeah, there's like a two drink minimum. You have to go and uh, they're gonna make you, they're they're gonna keep offering you alcohol. Right. You got it. You got to buy it, or they're gonna have a problem. Right. Gotta, like, you, what are all the rules? Yeah. Can I get there's them like up front? big mean bouncers all over the place yeah. who are ready, to, who are watching like a fucking hawk and ready to awkwardly touch some some hanging beads in doorways. <laughs> um, 
Uh, but no, this was not like that. I, I, my understanding is this is a very atypical strip club experience because okay. it's literally just a a it's, it's just a better lit dive bar above another dive bar where there's just some dudes just kind of like kind of shimmying and like dancing, okay. just playing with their dicks a little bit, just like okay. on the bar. <laughs> that's that's it. Are they? Maybe this is too much for our podcast, but are they trying to be erect, or are they? I like, mean, something to flash or like half mass i think they're like they're like they were definitely erect at points okay but like you can't maintain that for super long that's why i asked you know, some like so like there were definitely points where like they were you know the like the flag came down for a little while but that was like kind of <laughs> part of the allure and the dance of it was like them kind of teasing themselves back up it was okay. like watching how they handled that was like more like i'm imagining less a Flag and more a wacky waving and flame 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 tube band. Yeah. Uh, kinda. I think one of them was uncircumcised. So yeah, that works. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> as far as you and I are aware, because neither of us have been to a traditional strip club. Yes. Everything in Showgirls is fact. Sure. Hey. <laughs> welcome to Durazzle, the podcast that takes award winning words films and fixes them. I'm Jack Colbert sitting here to suffer alongside me as always. Also host, Joe Nealis. Hi, everybody. Hey, we're doing Showgirls. You probably know that if you read the words that are on your screen. Or if you listen to part one, which I need to actually pick a bone real quick. Because oh, I no. kept making that joke about, like, if you haven't listened to part one, why are you here? There's still, like, 16 of you motherfuckers that have listened to Superman Lives Part 2, but not part <laughs> one. <laughs> and I'm very confused. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, well, if you're here for the first time, welcome. <laughs> it's going to get it's real gonna confusing. It's going to be a real weird opening for you to come into way too much information. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I've given up on ever asking my mom to listen to this show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my mom probably will. I saw that she, she was very proud of us for... She was very proud. <laughs> it, was, it was nice. I opened my phone up. I like had just woken up. I'm like, no. Oh. <laughs> She, she's a good one, my mom. Did you have any exposure to Showgirls prior to working on this episode? <laughs> I mean, I was aware of its existence. Mm -hmm. uh, I, had I had not seen any of it. I think the most exposure I had to it was actually the episode of The Simpsons where Marge agrees to take Homer to go see Showgirls. What? Yeah. But all that really happens is you see them in the car on the way back and... Homer is just like covered in all this ridiculous showgirls merch, like a foam cowboy hat and a foam finger and shit. I might have dreamed this. This <laughs> this sounds like it might be a dream. <laughs> it almost feels too stupid to be real. It feels like, but, but again, I could see Bill Oakley or, or someone right, making no. this joke. <laughs> I imagined it was the like partially moving screen on like a six hour. <laughs> I don't know, rain or something, YouTube video, or it's just like, ah, calming rain, but it's like an image of Marge and Homer in the car. Marge and Homer after Showgirls, right. 10 hour loop. Right. <laughs> oh, God. I'm going to need to find that clip. It's just later. walking in the wind. Oh, my God. Again, if this is your first time, if you're watching part one without, or part two without watching part one, that's the original song made for this movie. It, unfortunately. Yeah. Don't look it up. It's uh, bad. I want to say, and this could also be a fever dream. I want to say that my first and only interaction with this was playing Seen It. 
Okay. Uh, you know, the, yeah, I probably something probably came up about it in in, in a game of scene. Yeah. I, I haven't played that game in a long time. Me neither. Yeah, kind of want to. Yeah, but like, I'm cool with just playing by myself. To be honest, it's <laughs> just <laughs> a great way to learn movie trivia. Like the that meme of Leonardo DiCaprio <laughs> from <laughs> from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, just like, mm, hey. Mm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> like I had played it enough that I knew the answers, even though there were movies I'd never seen. Um, that was Showgirls. That was yeah. my exposure to Showgirls. Okay, and, and I was aware of like the legend. So let's. There really, there really is no explaining this movie, but I would like to talk a little bit more about the people behind it. Sure. Yeah. Um, let's 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 do that. And uh, we we've already talked a little bit about Paul Verhoeven in the first episode. Yes. Uh, as well as our. Two episodes prior to that, yeah. I mean, this is this is the the wrap up of Verhoven month. It is uh, officially. So yeah, w- uh, I hope you've all enjoyed that. We have been. So he's still making movies. Uh, mm-hmm. He is eighty four years young. He he, want, he would like to make another American made movie. Yeah, um, I'd like to see him do it. I want to watch more of his stuff. I've <laughs> <laughs> I, there's certain ones I'm probably going to avoid. Spaters. Speechers, yeah, um, do without that one. Yeah, they played a couple of clips in the documentary. Um, you don't know me, and I was like, that was enough. That was a, that was plenty. That seems that more than enough, actually. Yeah, the sex comedy with Rutger Hauer. I might watch that. That's, that's I am funny. morbidly curious about that one because <laughs> I like you can tell in his performance. I'm thinking of like The Hitcher and Blade Runner. That even though he's playing these like maniacal villains, he's still got a sense of humor. <laughs> Um, I mean, I also, he was also in a movie called Hobo the Shotgun. Oh, that was him? That was him. Oh, shit. I think that was him. It wasn't good, but I think it was him. The other half of the creative team, if you were to just have two and not, not pay the entire, attention to like, the messy editing people, but... or to the, you know, DP or anyone else, yeah. uh, is Joe Esterhaus, uh, who was at one point one the most famous playwright or screenplay writer uh, in Hollywood. Hmm. Where do I start with this guy? So he is, uh, he was born in Hungary. Okay. He has the personality of Rolf from the Muppets. <laughs> if that, that is not how I expected that no. sentence to end. Uh, he's, he's really so, weird. Like you, so you, you, just to preface, if you haven't watched, listened to episode one, the interview with him two years after Showgirls came out uh, was just titled Sleazy Writer. Yeah. That does not give, Rolf energy to no, for me. I don't think I quote this later, but the interview is done with um, you know, the the writer, uh Sharon Waxman, uh Joe Esterhouse, and then Joe's wife was there as well. And uh Sharon Waxman is confused by this persona of this this man because she's she's aware of his work. Mm-hmm. But then you you go and he's kind of like laid laid back, bearded dude, chain smoking cigarettes, <laughs> and she's like this is not the you you were supposed to be sleazy and gross and like you are, but also, <laughs> and she, uh, his wife explains like, well, that's writer Joe, that's that's writer Joe, yeah, okay, um, which we'll we'll get to. Uh, so he was born in Hungary, and his <laughs> father was a literal Nazi. Wait, what? Yeah. Uh, Hold on, okay, so so you're gonna tell me. That somebody claimed that Starship Troopers was made by literal Nazis. Mm-hmm. And here we have in Showgirls, the son of a literal Nazi mm-hmm. as the writer. Mm-hmm. 
I'm flabbergasted. Get ready go, please for go this on. ride. It I, is you, you, you started, crazy. You've started with Rolf and Nazis. Where <laughs> the fuck do we go from here? Oh, man. Some places. Uh, he's a little younger than Paul Verhoeven, which you said was born in 38, He was born 39? in 38, yeah. So he grew up in an internment camp in Hungary. Oh, shit. I think, I think Hungary? I can't remember. But his father would pass around pamphlets, tracks, like whatever. Mm-hmm. that was very like pro-Nazi, like anti-Jew, pro-Nazi articles. And jo- Joe did not know this growing up. He only found out later. Sure. Uh, I would hope he wouldn't know this growing up. Like, holy yeah. shit. But when he found out, he disowned his father. Good. Yeah. Okay. We're looking, things are looking up. Yes. Uh, so he was raised in the Catholic Church. Probably explain some things, honestly. A little bit, yeah. Chain smoker. He, he yeah, Catholic Church. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> right. But like four pack a day, chain smoker. He actually got throat cancer and almost died. Oh wow! I think he has a tr- what's the trach- a trach ring? Yeah. Oh, goddamn. Yeah. Uh, so when he wrote Showgirls, he said that was the worst part of his life. Like he was in the worst time of his life. I think I vaguely remember seeing like that line, like that, that wording in the Wikipedia for the movie. So he, um, okay. So (laughs) you may have heard of this band Fleetwood Mac. (laughs) A little bit. I mean, my mom's only a massive fan my entire life. So yeah. Brief side note. So, um, (laughs) dating apps are horrible. Yeah, um, I'm very glad to be off them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I found a way to make Tinder a little more fun. Oh. So they have a an app, a, a, a sub whatever, mm-hmm. that you are swiping and it plays the music. The, like the person's like number one listening to song. Oh, that's fun. Which is you get a little bit more flavor of the personality. And I, I like that, actually. That's a nice, yeah. that's a nice little touch. And what so, I really like, so you've listened to "They're Coming to Take Me Away" oh God, over and over and over again. <laughs> I've listened to so much Taylor Swift, <laughs> <laughs> just because it's their yeah. favorite. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not mine. I mean, she did just drop that album. That's yeah. apparently a big deal. So it's it's a lot of the the coolest part is like, oh, I didn't. I now have learned a new song. This is cool. Yeah. I can try to check that out. That's pretty cool. But it, the the two I've heard the most of is Taylor Swift and Fleetwood Mac, which is cool. That's no no problem there. Sure. Uh, different vibes. Different vibes. <laughs> um, it's either that or like club music. Sure. Yeah, this would be expected. It's pretty it, – you can sweep, swipe way quicker. <laughs> uh, anyway, so you know how in Fleetwood Mac there's a lot of – they kind of like swippy swapped? Yes. I mean, Rumors is famously referred to as a as a as uh, an album about and written by people cheating on each other. <laughs> Yeah, so Joe kind of had that happen. Oh. So he had written this movie called uh, Sliver, and it was produced by Bill McDonald. Who was sleeping with Lindsay Buckingham. Could be. (laughs) (laughs) He was married to a woman named Naomi. Who was sleeping with Stevie Nicks. Could could be. (laughs) (laughs) Joe was... (laughs) <laughs> Who was married to Jerry at the time? Jerry Jer- with a G. Okay, yeah. Uh, Who was sleeping with Jerry Seinfeld? Who was... <laughs> Sorry, I'll stop now. <laughs> I was like, how old would Jerry have been at that time? Um, <laughs> so follow me here. Okay. Joe falls in love with 
Naomi. Naomi is married to Bill. Bill is Joe's boss. But Bill wants to fuck Sharon Stone. Oh, hold so, on. <laughs> <laughs> you've run out of fingers. <laughs> just... Hey, Sharon. Tony, have you figured out the love hexagon? <laughs> uh, Bill leaves Naomi. So Naomi gets married to Joe. <laughs> Everyone's happy except for Jerry. Oh, Jerry. Sorry, Jerry. <laughs> Poor Jerry. Oh. And it was in this kerfuckle that... <laughs> no, no you, you meant to say that. I didn't. <laughs> no, yes, you fucking did. I'm keeping it. You absolutely meant kerfuckle. <laughs> I'm, now, I'm now gonna not never say that. I meant to say kerfluffle or clusterfuck. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so happy you... I'm so happy that what you said was said. Uh, Please go on. It was at this time <laughs> that he wrote Showgirls. Holy shit. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so he was going through some shit. Uh, that oh god. Does you know, that does that make the James storyline make more or less sense? Right. I just like right? fuck. <laughs> uh what was also happening was and this is a callback to our crossover episode with Antonio from from the Cult Worthy Podcast, yes. Uh, when we talked about Coralco pictures. I thought Coralco mm-hmm. was me- was mentioned or involved with this production. Okay. We had discussed Cutthroat Island. Yes. And what was that? Was that Heaven's Gate? Heaven's Gate, yeah. So Coralco, they were created in, the, I think, the 70s. They made a couple like really gr- – well, made is not really – Yeah. They, they made a couple of really great films um, and then they started to overspend. Uh, yes. If you recall, where they paid Arnold Schwarzenegger like $11 million, I think for, I think it might have been Total Recall. I think it was Total Recall, yeah. Uh, but they they like wind and dined their actors way, way too much. Way too hard, yeah. And by 1997, we're getting to the point where that's starting to come back and bite them in the ass. By that, I mean, they've already been bought out by a new company and the new guys are trying to save it and they're like, fuck, we bought a dud. So they end up selling. Wait, Elon Musk bought Coralco? <laughs> Six-year-old. <laughs> Ew. Um, so Coralco had to sell off the rights to a bunch of shit. Yeah. Uh, but they were in the middle of making Showgirls. And they ended up sending that over to MGM, I want to say. Hmm. Right before they, they made their comeback film, which was Cutthroat Island, which, as you're aware... Nope. 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 Um, Paul Verhoeven was not supposed to make Showgirls. He was he was working on a I think it was called like the Crusade or something like that. Yeah, he wanted to do the Crusade with uh, with, with Arnold, Arnold Schwarzenegger, mm-hmm. and that didn't make it out of development. No. So the reason he in initially signed on to do this movie, mm-hmm. this is Paul Verhoeven, was to save Coralco. To help help Crow Coralco. Okay. Because they had done Basic Instinct. I think they'd done Robocop. They he'd like worked with them. Interesting. Okay. It did obviously didn't work out because he didn't even get to release the movie before they no. shit the bed. Yeah. But that partially explains how he got involved. I think there's also like he wanted to do a favor for Joe Esterhouse, who's he's close with. Who was going through a, who's a going through some shit. Pretty rough time. Okay. So that's that's as close to a reason. 
as we can suss out as to why this happened. Because they, they both intended to make the movie they made. Yes. Well, didn't Verhoeven have an idea for a musical? Yeah. So they originally wanted to do – he was interested in doing like an old big Hollywood musical. Yes. And I think Joe Esterhouse wanted – suggested like why don't we set it in Vegas. Yes. And it – I forget where it took a hard right, but it did because that's not what we got – I feel like they shifted, they shopped it around a little bit. And when they moved away from the musical aspect, that's when they started to add the, the parallels to All About Eve. Okay. So that's, that's where we start getting the, uh, borrowed skeleton. Right. Right. I mean, it's, it's not like a super original story at this point. It, I, I, when it was first, when All About Eve first came out, I, I'm sure it was a bit of a different story, but, uh, All About Eve is basically about um, this actress who is starring in a show on Broadway or whatever. Sure. And um, she's older. She's having – she was like a, a big star for a long time, but she's having trouble kind of like doing the younger roles now because yeah. it's kind of like when they cast 20-year-olds as high school students. Yeah. You're, you're 36 now, honey. You can't right. play anything other than the old crow. Right. Yeah. Which Betty Davis – that kind of played out. Yeah. See Joan Crawford. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So there's an actress that watches her every night. Okay. Because she recognizes her for being this incredibly talented actress. And she, all she wants to do is be an actress. Well, she ends up running into Betty Davis's friend. And she invites her in to meet Betty Davis. And basically, Betty Davis brings her on as, like, an assistant of sorts. Okay. Uh, and then slowly, shit happens. And Eve ends up being the understudy for Betty Davis. Hmm. And then other shit happens, and she ends up going on. Yeah. Uh, now, is it, now, is it a, is she sabotages Betty Davis in order to get on? She it, doesn't, but there's sabotage. There is sabotage. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's sabotage. She lies about who she is, oh, where she came from. Eve does? Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So they're borrowing that element as well. Yeah. Okay. Which actually, real quick, I want to point out something about that because Becca pointed this out to me and I can't get it out of my head and I forgot to mention it when we were talking about what does and doesn't work. The name she chooses for herself is Nomi. Mm-hmm. No me. Mm-hmm. As in not me. Yeah. yeah. I, they, they, it's dumb. It's, it is dumb. It is dumb. Unless you're that dude in the documentary that was like, get it? It's brilliant. Oh my God. Are you kidding me? Somebody actually, oh. Yeah. Yeah. For any of you who are listening, if you've seen Glass Onion, you understand what's happening in my brain right now. I have not watched it yet. I am having big Benoit Blanc feelings right now. So remember when we were talking about Fleetwood Mac? Yeah. And we did the love hexagon. <laughs> yes. Well, the reason that Bill McDonald decided to go for it with Sharon Stone uh-huh. was because his psychic told him to. I missed I missed that. I'm so angry. <laughs> anyway, um, Verhoeven watched All About Eve and was like, hey, let's take some of this and throw it in here. It's not like a one-to-one copy, but there's Should enough no, in it that it's like. It's a clear influence. Yeah. Which, you, you know, sure. That happens with art. You borrow yeah. from different things. You're not gonna, you know, you're not gonna completely reinvent the wheel every time you make a movie, nor should you. So, what I'm curious about, and this is 
only a nerd, only a film nerd would care. Yes. Um, so for Black Swan, Darren Aronofsky bought the rights to Perfect Blue. Right. Black Swan is not a remake of Perfect Blue. Okay. But there are enough similarities there that he's like, I'm just going to be safe and buy the rights. So okay, I don't I'm, get my ass sued. I mean, that's prudent, I yeah. suppose. This movie, Showgirls, is more like All About Eve. All, All About Eve than Black Swan is about Perfect, Perfect Blue. Blue. Fascinating. To the point where I'm like, I don't, I didn't read anywhere that there was like rights being exchanged or that they acknowledged that it was a remake because it's not a remake. But it's, Despite what the Razzies say. <laughs> correct. Of course, you know what? MGM might own All About Eve and not give a single fuck. That could very well be the case. Um, I'm I'm not sure. Yeah, there could – just by serendipity, there could have already been uh, coverage there. Yeah. So I'd like to – before we take a break. Yes. Go over the history of the NC-17 rating. Yeah. Yeah, um, I think that would, be, that would be fascinating to know actually because I don't know a whole lot about that. Well, I don't think it's really used anymore. I certainly haven't seen a movie release with it or heard it mentioned, really. Yeah, I think it's pretty rare. I think it still is in practice, but very rarely. So NC-17 used to be X. Sure. X is gone. X is gone? Gone. Huh. And the reason for that is when they started rating movies X, it wasn't an automatic death to the film. Whereas... If we made a movie and it was rated NC-17, there's very, very, very little chance that it'll go into a theater. Sure. Yeah, uh, nobody wants to Unless it's like an art house. Yeah. Whereas when X was first introduced, you could, you would, you could still see a movie that was rated X in a big theater. There, there have been movies that were rated X that were nominated for like Oscars. Sure. Um, I think Clockwork Orange was X originally. Midnight Cowboys famously. Yeah. Uh, X. Th- that it was the, that was what was coming to mind for me there. Yeah, the Clockwork Orange came out in seventy one. Midnight Cowboy was sixty nine. Nice. Uh, Fritz the Cat was the first animated film rated X. That was seventy two. Huh. I had no idea there was an X rated animated film. That's yeah. astounding. It's. I mean, it's not X, but it's it's definitely like it was. It's an R. Okay, definitely a hard R. So the first. American non-pornographic film to be rated X was Brian De Palma's 1968 film Greetings, starring De Niro, which I've not even heard Why of. Why am I not surprised as De Palma? I'm not surprised as De Palma. I was like, yeah, right. Um, and there, there's there's other ones. They've they've all for the most part been reevaluated and are now R. Sure, but at the time, it didn't mean that it wasn't considered art. However, it did start to become a selling point. Mm-hmm. So. A, a movie, if a movie is rated R, it's kind of like whenever people won't go see a horror movie that's PG thirteen because it's not if it's not R, it's not real not worth real the, horror. Or yeah, like it's gonna be like cheesy jump scares, right? And, yeah. Well, when they started slapping an X on horror films, they started noticing that people were just like, "Fuck yeah, I'm gonna watch that." At the same time, porno theaters started putting X on their film or triple X on their yeah. films to the point where. People started associating the X rating more with pornography than they did with films. Yeah. Traditional narrative films. I'm not saying porno isn't a film. I mean, it's definitely um, a film. Just <laughs> It's definitely using celluloid. It or <laughs> did. But like for a moment there, there was even porno that was mainstream. 
Okay. But you, that's where you, like a lot of people are aware of the, the porno deep throat because it right. was mainstream. Yes. It had an X rating, but in rating that X, because it did become mainstream, it made that like, cr- it like opened the doors for all porno to be rated X. Huh. Yeah. So in 1990, the MPAA, they're the yeah. people that decide the rating, uh-huh. replaced X with NC-17. That stands for no children under 17. Okay. So with an R rating, it's – if you're 17 – if you show up and you're 17 – or if you're under 18 and you show up to an R rating, you can't get in. But if I go with my like sleazy uncle, I can. You can, yes. Whereas if I show That's, up with uh, my sleazy uncle to NC-17, they're like, no and gross. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fair. You ever do that thing where you where you go with where you go with an adult to go see an R-rated movie but the adult just leaves? I went with a complete stranger. Huh. Once. I was dating this was uh, high school. I was dating Dusty and we wanted to go see the Tom Jane Punisher. <laughs> <laughs> and there were these two older kids mm-hmm. that were they were probably like mid 20s. Okay. Um and they were going to go see Kill Bill, which was the right choice. Yes. For, forgive me. I did not know what I was doing. <laughs> and we're worried that we weren't going to get in because we're very clearly not 18. Sure. And we're like, hey, are you guys going in there? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, do you guys pretend like you're my older brother? And they're like, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that rules. Yeah. So that was how I got to see Tom Jane's uh, puncher. Yeah, I had a uh, a friend's uncle who uh, got uh, got uh, four of us in to see uh, Jackass Number Two, and yeah. uh, he immediately was like, "I'm not, I'm not." He he, like, he came <laughs> right. into the theater and sat down for like five minutes, and he was like, "I'm not, I can't do this. I'll let me just. I'm gonna go wait in the car." <laughs> That's amazing. Good, good for him, but also, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we had a great time. Uh, the first movie to receive the NC-17 was Henry and June, which I'm familiar with the infamy of the book. I'm not familiar with. I, 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 I've heard of it. I don't know anything about it, though. I think it's just real raunchy sexy. Uh, sure. But like, yeah, I don't want to misquote it. The, the The book is known for being um, censored. Ah. So the movie based on the book, also that. Yeah, sure. But with the NC-17, there's some papers that refuse to run ads there's some theaters that won't run it five years later we get showgirls which did get a a mass release not as big as if it was lower rating but still a mass release do you know how many screens it was on it was distributed to 1388 cinemas oh wow upon its initial release okay so at least that many screens yes and I, I can't really see it being played on more than one screen per theater. I feel like probably not. Yeah, I feel I, I feel like a lot of people will be really wary that they wouldn't want to gamble on taking up that much screen real estate with this NC seventeen mon, uh, monstrosity. Yeah, no, I, I can't imagine. I mean, it was once it was kind of known for what it was known for. It was rebranded as like. Instead of being like a hard hitting drama, it's like, look at this sleazy bullshit. <laughs> uh, which drew NC, way more. NC 17. Watch this dolphin humping yeah. in your local cinema. So many, many films have gotten the NC 17 rating uh, and I've gone back and edited. It's really contentious. That's actually why Showgirls was rated NC 17. Mm-hmm. Because Paul Verhoeven, he got NC 17 for, I think he got X for Robocop because I think it was prior. 
but sure. A number of his films were either X or NC-17, and he had to like recut them to to get the the R rating. With Showgirls, he's like, I'm going to take a giant cut to my budget, to my pay, if you let me release this as an NC-17. Like, just let me make the movie I want to make. Yeah, I think I remember reading somewhere that he uh, he he took like a 70% cut to his. It was a big fucking cut contingent upon this release. And he said, once it makes its money back... Yeah. Then I'll I'll get my money my pay out of that. I mean that that's rough. Yeah. But I'm sure he's fine. That sweet, sweet pervert money later on. <laughs> I yeah, I wonder if his contract accounted for the sweet, sweet I'm, pervert I'm gonna money. I'm gonna guess not. Probably but, not. I think yeah. literally any time after nineteen ninety five, I think people probably started to consider the VHS and D V D monies. But yeah. Two two of the examples I wrote down for movies that were rated NC-17 and recut were um, American Pie and mm. the Grindhouse film, which is now split in two, but initially was released, released as one film. Sure, sure. Uh, wasn't there also a worry of Deadpool potentially hitting NC-17 uh, originally? Um, Sure. I, va- I vaguely remember something along those lines. But... I w- <laughs> Even if it wasn't, I can see them saying that. Yeah, that's a fair point. The only film that appealed the NC-17 rating and got it bumped down to an R. And I'm I'm assuming they mean without anything being cut. Uh-huh. Would you like to guess what it is? So it came out in 2008. Oh, 2008. I'm pretty sure you've seen it. I'm going to guess you've seen 2008. it. Um, I don't know. It was like one of the Underworld movies or something? or Kevin Smith's Zack and Miri Make a Porno. No. Sh- oh, I should have known that. Yeah. Yeah. That tracks. That absolutely tracks. Yeah. So I'm just going <laughs> to... It's hilarious to think that that would qualify for NC-17. It's, yeah. It's, like, <laughs> it's an R. Oh, it's definitely an R. I wouldn't R. even say it's Jeff a hard Ander- R. Jeff Anderson gets sh- his face just absolutely <laughs> shat all over. But it's not just, even like a hard R. No. It's, it's so goofy and ridiculous. Is, is there nudity in it? There's tits. Okay. Yeah. You get some boobs. I mean, they they did cast an actual porn star right. in one of the roles, so like, but not Elizabeth Banks or um, Seth Rogen. No, no, no. Well, I, well, we might have seen Seth Rogen's boobs at some point in the movie. I'm oh, not entirely yeah, sure. Probably not. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, uh, we'll leave you with the image of um, Mr. Anderson having shit on his face. Uh, <laughs> right back. Psst. Hey, you want to get doomed? I'm Tessa. And I'm Nicole. And we have a spanking new podcast for your ear holes called Doom Generation. Listen in as two foul mouth biddies have an always casual, often comedic. What? I think we're funny. And sometimes chaotic conversation about the things that doomed us to be who we are today. Take a trip with us down nostalgia lane and we'll try not to veer off the road. Available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Doom Generation Pod and on Twitter at Doom Gen Pod. Later, Doomers. All right, so we've we've really dug into Showgirls. And how. And uh, now we're going to try to fix it. So we used to take a pretty long time to do that. That's very true. Uh, uh, I wanna... we've, we've gotten it down in recent episodes. Yes. Uh, I want to lean closer to an elevator pitch. A shortened version. I actually did some research on the format of an, uh, a movie pitch. Uh, so I'm going to try to follow that as closely as I possibly can. Right. I warn you, there's nothing I hate more than a log line. 
you this this is true. No, Jack, I've I have watched Jack get so upset about trying to come up with log lines for things. It is easily easily the bane of his existence. It's basically taking your entire film and summarizing it in twenty five words. Um, That's I, hard. I don't even think I did it for this. I think I was just like, eh, it was three sentences, close enough. <laughs> um, it's like it's not my movie. Fuck you. Yeah, fair. Uh, so the first thing you should do when you're pitching your movie is um, say what it's titled, which is Showgirls. It's called Showgirls. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Check the log line. I'm already mad. <laughs> just like read the first four words and I'm like, fuck you. Seething. Mm. Cause you have to, you have to cram in like the characters, the, the action, what the characters are, what they, that's a lot for 25 words. Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, Diamond in the rough. Naomi flees to Las Vegas to chase her dreams and escape her past. Working her way up from the bottom. She catches the attention of crystal an older sadistic showgirl star. She tests Naomi's determination and morality, seeing how far Naomi will go to become the lead of the show. I'm going to go jump in front of a bus. It may have been a little bit long, but I'll allow it. Check. I think... I think I actually think it was a pretty good long Maybe line. the 86. The bus. I was trying to no. think of one that goes fast. I mean, that, that's like the P1. You want mm-hmm. you you want if you want fast you want one of the express buses that goes through the busways <laughs> they can truck man right. like they the sixteen's not gonna do it no, it's gonna knock me over and I'm gonna it. just no. be sore 16, the day. 16's like the 16's goddamn clown shoes man what are you talking about <laughs> just so for the genre <laughs> uh, I want to try to do this more as a like nineties specifically nineties independent film okay definitely drama still but. The indie dramas are more kitschy. Like, they lean more towards, like, you're uncomfortable with what we're covering. Yeah. I think there's a little bit more of reveling in that, in, that, yeah. in a lot of indie cinema. Like, it takes itself seriously, but not nearly as seriously as a mainstream well, film it's, would have. It's either, it's either not nearly as seriously or entirely too seriously. It depends on, right. it depends on who's making the film. Sure. Yes. I'm thinking of uh, Secretary. Okay. I'm thinking of... And I mean, this one's a comedy, so it's not quite the same, but, um, what is it? But I'm a cheerleader. Fuck. Oh yeah. Thing? But yeah, but I'm a cheerleader. Um, Natasha, Leone? Natasha Leone. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So for themes, I, I'd like the theme of there's corruption in the entertainment industry. So the one film that I have not touched on that I watched for research is girl 27. Yes. Which is a, a documentary about corruption in old Hollywood. Um, it's a movie that I'd watched just I, – I saw the cover at the library when I first moved here and didn't know anybody and just had like a DVD player. It's, it's rough. It is rough. I believe that. Yeah. Um, there, there's pr- probably just uh, untold depths of examples to pull from. Yeah. They specifically were pulling from Girl 27 because that was who she was cast as in, as like a background dancer. She was like okay, Girl 27. And I'm not going to go into great depths here, but basically she went to a Hollywood party. Well, not unlike showgirls where they're like, hey, grab a couple girls. We'll bring them down to the showroom for, you know, just to like entertain the guys. Yep. Well, they're like, hey, bring the chorus girls from the box full of chorus girls that we have. Yeah. Bring them out to the. The chorus girls, girl stables. Right. Basically. Yeah. And one of the executives violently assaulted her yeah that, that's where i thought you were going with that and it was covered up nobody believed her she did sue 
most of the people that that happened to in old Hollywood did not. Because especially then, if you were a femme and admitted that you had sex, you were considered unchaste, yeah. dirty. And that damaged. includes if you were assaulted. Yeah. Yeah. That fucking sucks and yeah. is also wholly historically accurate. Yeah. They also talk about less directly. It was something that like the filmmaker had accidentally dug up while researching this, that there was a, an actress who had an affair with Clark Gable and she, she, she literally went on TV eight months pregnant and was like, no, I'm not knocked up. I'm just not that. <laughs> Had a child. No, I no. This is a tumor. <laughs> I'm very <laughs> ill. You see, I have gas. Uh, <laughs> I drank a lot of Pepsi. <laughs> Brought to you by Joan Crawford. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Had the child. Donated the child. Well, don't donated. Donated. <laughs> <laughs> Shoved the child into the Salvation Army bin. <laughs> that's how that works, right? That's that's what, they're so large. Um, uh, gave the gave the kid away to adoption agency. Yes. Then adopted the kid. Oh, that she adopted the kid. She readopted the she kid. She readopted because she's like, oh, I am not pregnant. I don't have a child. No. Then adopts all, a child. All, all this talk about having a child made me hungry. I mean, wanted to want <laughs> made me want a child. So. Yeah, but I will not have a much like Joan Crawford did. Yes, she adopted children instead of this had was them. this was entirely my choice and involved no man. Especially not Clark Gable, especially, who's a married man. Especially not that Clark Gable, whose dick is fantastic. Wait. Also, the nope, child stand by that. had her father's ears, which were of very distinct. Of course. Yeah. yeah, of course it fucking um, did. So, yes. That is to say, mostly I just want to rewatch the film because I hadn't seen it in a long time. Sure. But also, yeah, even though that was old Hollywood corruption, still very much exists. Still, yeah. So let me talk you through, let me pitch you some of the uh, the story. Please. Uh, so we start with Naomi barely escaping with her life intact. Uh, I, I said before, I really like the opening um, to the movie as is. I want to do that exact same thing just with her looking like she's desperately trying to escape something rather than just trying to hitch a ride. Yes. Later, we do learn that she is a sex worker and that she's trying to escape from what was a dangerous situation. She tries to hide that past because much like showgirls, we didn't really get to talk about this, but like the actual Naomi character or Nomi character had been a sex worker at one point. Yes. I do want to carry over that shame, but it's less, it's, it's again, it's societally induced shame. Social but, stigma. Right. The person who gives her, who picks her up is not some weird Elvis country singer man. <laughs> <laughs> Who fucking Jeff, but rather a kindly old man who's going to visit his niece. Old Jeff. Old Jeff. Old Jeff. And after like listening to Naomi's, kind of like seeing that Naomi's, fuck, Nomi. Yeah, you've done that a couple Naomi, times. But... Uh, is, is in a bad way. She's like, hey, my niece needs a roommate. Her niece being Molly. Okay. So it, it's less that she gets just like ditched without her, without her shit. Right. She is, she escapes with the help of this older fella, this older fella tries to do her a solid, hooks her up with Molly. Yeah. Uh, and she, she doesn't have to threaten his balls with a switchblade. No, no ball Just... threatening, no <laughs> running in the traffic, no strange random puking. 
Um, yeah, that was bizarre, huh? The documentary also pointed out that Paul Verhoeven has a lot of weird women puking, and I don't want to analyze that. Hmm. So, <laughs> <laughs> so while waiting to meet Molly, like to be introduced to her, Naomi sees. I've I named it Heat. So uh, again, know me. Uh, <laughs> know me. <laughs> while waiting to be introduced to Molly, takes in the show, which. Is what happens in, in the movie. Yes. Uh, I named it Heat because it looked hot. Yes. Sure. <laughs> I couldn't remember what it was called. Goddess. Uh, stupid. So this happened. They, they meet up, roommates, blah, blah, blah. Molly eventually does introduce Nomi to Crystal. Yes. Crystal recognizes her as the creep who watches the show every fucking night. Oh, uh, okay. She picks up on it right away. Yeah. Okay. Crystal also notices that her boyfriend, stated boyfriend, Zach, is attracted to Nomi. Uh-huh. There's also fucking Lindsay Buckingham. Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> this is an audio medium. So nobody got to see my soul die. Uh, <laughs> oh, boy. So Crystal begins a sadistic, because, you know, she is attracted to Nomi, but also sees that her boyfriend's attracted to Nomi. Yes. Begins a sadistic sexual game of cat and also cat with Nomi. <laughs> I'm so glad that even though we didn't touch on the Joe Esther house oh, live yeah. Adventure Brothers, you yeah. still worked Adventure Brothers reference in there. <laughs> Had to. Uh, so th- this cat and also cat causes Nomi to question her sexuality as well as her morality. I do want to play more with the... Okay. Um, does she actually... Is she actually attracted to women or not? Um, so a little less queer baiting and, maybe actually, and actually delving into it. Correct. Okay. Uh, in a subplot, we see Nomi work with James, a queer choreographer, because uh, I'm just not even fucking dealing with that, <laughs> <laughs> to star in his independent production. Okay. In this, and I feel a little uncomfortable doing this because I'm like, I'm making the two people of color characters friends, but narratively it makes sense. Okay. Molly's friend, James is putting on an independent like dance production. I want to play up that that story of this is the artistic quote uh, big finger quotes artistic version of dancing that you should be doing if you respect the art of dance that is like the steps are laid out in the original movie but aren't played to. Sure. So this this ultimately fails obviously when Nomi is confronted with her past. Crystal having gotten gotten into deep with that cat and cat um, <laughs> has done research on Nomi and um, has has figured out that Nomi is not Nomi. They are uh, Jeff. Um, <laughs> She's also Jeff. Also Jeff. Uh, but was in the most in a, in recent past a sex worker. And a single mother. Oh, Polly. Her name was Polly. Paul, Polly. Yeah, because they, yeah. they, they make the Pollyanna, oh, Pollyanna joke. Yeah, they make that Pollyanna joke early like early, early in the film. Right, right, right. And it comes back around. So real, real, real name is Pollyanna. Yeah, because she goes, what did you say? And like, right, which is a, a super obscure deep dig at yeah. a, a novel I think came out in 1912. Something like that, yeah. It's um, a very – it's it's de- well over a century old it's now. It's got to be like – Joe Esterhouse's favorite book growing up. And he's like, oh, yeah, everyone knows the reference yeah. to Pollyanna where you, you call somebody Pollyanna. They're just overly optimistic, which no one would ever have said about that character at any point in that movie. No. <laughs> um, but who knows? Maybe it's left over from an early draft. Yeah, it could be. He was going through some shit, guys. Okay. Anyway, 
Love, so, Hex- love Hexagon, you know. Crystal, just... Crystal threatens to out Nomi as a sex worker and a single mother. Ooh. Yeah. And uh, Nomi very, like in the film, when she pushes her down the stairs, it almost feels like a, like in the moment, kind of like, you know, it just happened. Mm-hmm. And this is very deliberately like, oh, you're going to ruin my dance career. I'm going to push you down the stairs. Zach, without a better, I want I want to make him even more devious in this. Where, oh, he's like, well, I I can't have the show not go on. Yeah. Even though I'm fully aware that this person pushed Crystal down the steps. Yeah. I it will ruin me to not have the show go on with who is in this movie an actually good dancer. Yeah. To take the role. Yeah. His MBA would tell him all of this. <laughs> right. Uh, it also means that he he has to maintain the affair if Nomi's not going to ruin him. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, so you've added some layers to this. You. It's what I do. Yeah. It's real easy sometimes with the movies we cover. <laughs> <laughs> so the characters are a little different in this version. Uh, Nomi's actually a little closer to... All about Eve. Yeah. yeah uh, I, I was picking up on that. Yeah. My star casting for this, my like go-to casting, which I can't because of the age difference, mm-hmm. would be Brittany Murphy. Oh, my God. Yeah, she would have been way too young. Yeah. Yeah. yeah she's she, acting, she, but she just would have been way too young. Right. Yeah. She, had she been, a, been of the right age, could have been amazing. Because yeah. she can play both sides. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, uh, yeah. But again, too, way too young yeah. for that for that role at that time. The, uh, other choices would have been uh, that I think would have been great would have also been Charlize Theron, who was considered. was considered. Yeah, I um, agree. I think she would have been a good choice. So we had also discussed that Angelina Jolie could have probably done a good job with I this. I think Angelina Jolie turned it down, whereas I think Charlize Theron was only considered but not considered offered. Considered but not offered. Okay, so fascinating. Because she was very young in her career. Right. Right. So I think it probably would have offered it to her. Okay. What other What other casting changes would you have made? Okay, so I only I only cast recast Kyle McLaughlin. Okay. With Nick Nolte. With oh. 90s Nick Nolte. Yeah. Well, yeah, cause, I mean, of the time of the time. Right. Um I like that. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's I think that that I think that helps lend to the dramatic bent that they were trying to go for with yeah. this. I think he would have fit that level of sleaze and that level of uh, of corruption. Better, I think, because yeah, as yeah, as we discussed in part one, we both agree that as much as we love Kyle MacLachlan, yeah, he just wasn't prob- probably miscast part. here. It'll be interesting to rewatch the Flintstones and see if he's <laughs> able to play play basically the exact same characters, but a little better if he's being tongue in cheek about it. Was Kyle MacLachlan? In- mm-hmm. He's the villain. Holy shit! And I want to say Halle Berry is his secretary. I could I be think wrong. You're though. right. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm so excited to watch this I'm fucking so movie again. For, yeah. We talked a little bit about the mood and style. Yes. Um, I want to bring the budget down. Sure. I want to have, instead of having like a lot of big Vegas numbers, I want it to be limited to three. Okay. So it's the first time that Nomi sees it. That's one. Then it's the first time she's on stage. Mm-hmm. That's two. And then the last time is when she is the star. Ah, I see. So, so you're doing like so you're doing kind of the same, just just the opening number over and mm-hmm. over again, more or less. Yeah. So, I mean, that also streamlines things in terms of like costuming and mm-hmm. wardrobe and whatnot, because 
one of the other things I forgot to bring up in, in, in episode one is that the supposed quick changes they're going through, absolutely unbelievable. Becca pointed out to me that they actually, uh, they are trying to make us believe that they're changing the rhinestone patterns around their fucking eyes between numbers. No there is no fucking, fucking way. way. Absolutely no yeah. way that's happening. Just no. <laughs> it does make you wonder how they would do a quick change in real life. I imagine that they're just like, we have a fuck ton of dancers that we just rotate out. Yeah. That would be the only way I could think of doing it. Uh, anyway. Yeah. I want to focus more on the psychosexual f- not triangle, I guess not a hexagon here. Love hexagon. Uh, <laughs> as well as the, you know, the drama between these people rather than yes. the spectacle. I think that's way more effective. Because like, like, you're still going to get the corruption. You're, if anything, you're going to be more thoroughly mired in it. You have a more, you have greater emotional stakes in it. We're definitely pulling away from the satire. I mean, satire is not necessarily my style. Uh, well, the satire in this also isn't that effective, right? I would agree. Like, it's just, like, there's a couple of scenes that I think highlight the, like, the... Like the message that they want to try to send, but there's not there's nothing that's really satirizing it. It's yeah. just it's just depicting it, you know. Yeah. Like whereas whereas with with Starship Troopers, it's taking the fascism to an extreme to where it's yeah. trying to show you a like an I- ideal fascist society, and then and then you have to realize, oh, it's only good for smashing bugs. That's it. Yeah. Like, it's not good for anything fucking else. It's stupid. Yeah. Like that's where the satire comes from. There, you're not getting that same impact. That same that that same kind of like heightening for the sake of commentary in this. Like, like the attempts at satire, I think, get too muddied by the interpersonal psychosexual stuff that you're that you're bringing more to the forefront right. and trying and sharpening here. I also don't think that the character of Nomi, as originally portrayed works for satire no if if your goal is to show how the corruption of the entertainment industry treats women perhaps don't have that character be the protagonist yeah i mean you can have her i mean do do it like all about eve where she starts out very innocently and is corrupted over time Mm -hmm. of course i guess i guess i don't know i'm not i don't do satire something else you could do tell the story from molly's perspective that could also be cool. Yeah, this is all. This is another another thing that Becca gave me. Actually, is is if you t- you show it from her perspective, you're showing not just the corruption of the industry, but also how like some of the more like role players and some of the people who are more peripheral to what's happening can get absolutely fucked over. That's actually, I think, a really good idea. If if I were to do a satire angle, that's the road I would take. It would be like, <laughs> it would be like. When comic books randomly are like, so we're going to tell a story from the Stormtroopers' point of view. Yeah. Look at all the bullshit that <laughs> happens in the Stormtroopers. Like, I'm uh, just guarding this place. If I if I remember correctly, College Humor has an entire series called <laughs> called Troopers. Yes. That is, a, that is a, a comedic look at a Star Wars-esque universe from the Stormtroopers' perspective. That that I think would be the best, the, mo- the most effective way if you were to do a satire. If yeah. you're going, if we're doing a drama but theirs but better this is the version i would want mm-hmm. so step 5 write a compelling conclusion conclude your pitch by discussing how the story ends i will do that now okay so at the top of her stardom nomi is disgusting she's you know she's manipulating zack she's chucked crystal down the steps yep she's moved out of her place with Molly, she doesn't give a shit about Molly anymore. She treats her like shit. 
Boo. Nomi's basically destroying herself. Yes. Molly and James try to step in to do anything. Um, Just intervene somehow. Intervene somehow. Yeah. So when Nomi's about to go on for the big show, whatever it is. They kill her. They kill her. <laughs> it's a very <laughs> harsh <laughs> intervention. Yeah, that stopped it. <laughs> Nomi walks into the room to see her husband and daughter. Oh. And the three of them talk. And like her husband's trying to tell her how proud he is of her, everything he's she's achieved. Because he's not seeing the backside yeah. of all of this. Much like we, the audience, don't know how corrupt the entertainment industry is. He's a, I didn't mean to do that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, and like her daughter's excited to see her perform because, you know, she's like, I want to be a dancer like Mary or whatever. Yeah. Some bullshit. Um, huh. But when they like go to sit in the audience, they're waiting and waiting. And finally somebody comes on and says like the part of the goddess will be per- portrayed by understudy. Jeff. Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and that's when we see a mirror image of Nomi when she was the bright-eyed, bushy-tailed dancer. The The cycle continues. Yeah. That is directly from All About Eve. Fantastic. But the last time we see – the last we see of Nomi, she's hitchhiking again. Yeah. To escape this she, – She can't deal with the reality of, de- of being with her family. Correct. Yeah. She hitchhikes this time to Hollywood, again changing her name. I said Jesse Spano. Um, <laughs> <laughs> thus, the Nomi cycle starts all over again. I like it. That's a fucking gut punch. Good lord. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Feel, <laughs> I don't feel good about it. <laughs> I, I think you. Sh- I mean, I mean, like in terms of like what happens. No, you shouldn't yeah. feel good about it. But I think in terms of like what you wrote, what the idea you came up with, yeah. I think you should feel good about it. That was a hell of a pitch. Thank you. It's a skill I want to hone. It's not one I quite have yet. I mean, I think I think that, I mean this is a very good way to practice it. Yes, That's, I hope. Yeah, you know, uh, that was something we had intended originally with the show. So, yeah. I think I think that I, I think that was uh, a step in the right direction with our fixes. Nice, cool. I'm I'm glad to hear it because w- since we've this is a little behind the scenes stuff, but mm-hmm. since we started the show, I've kind of struggled with like in what way do I present the fix? Yeah, and we, we've done like full novels, and then we've yeah, also done sure. we've done some like yada we've, yadas. The, we've done some yada yadas. We've done some Kevin Smith style outlines. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> This I think this I think though was more digestible. I think this yeah. was m- way way easier to handle, and I think we, you've set a good groundwork and explanation for like what the what the approach is that you can even you know go through it faster next time, potentially. Yeah. The only issue I see with the script is I don't think Paul Verhoeven would direct it. I don't think he would want to do it. Who would? I'm not great with my '90s directors. I have no idea. Frank Darabon. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be wild. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm sure he could do it. I don't think he would want to do it either. Probably but he not. could. He could. Yeah, I, I could see him doing it. But yeah, he might not want to. Ooh, you know who would be, who would make this like all the sad parts extra sad is 90s Ang Lee. Oh my God. Yeah, he really yeah. would. That's it. Yep. We'll give him a call. <sighs> I kind of I dig that. I'm into it. One of them, I've I've been trying to put together a list of my top twenty five favorite films. 
because I I only ever amassed five, but then I saw somebody ask, I forget who it was, what their 25 was. Okay. The Ice Storm is on my list, which is early 90s, angly, sad bastard film. Hell yeah. Yeah. All right. It's also the only Thanksgiving movie I know. (laughs) (laughs) That and the Charlie Brown one. That that's dude, that's a big so, leap so between those two double feature. Woo! <laughs> well, we we did it. We did uh, showgirls. Uh, real quick, two, uh, we've got two comments uh, I want to highlight. Real sure. quick, Becca has been in the chat here regarding Pollyanna. I I just saw that, that Nate is on the chat and he said Schumacher. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, Nate. God. <laughs> I'm going to spit my water out. <laughs> I was wondering why you did a spit take there. Jesus. He didn't do falling down. He did do falling down. <laughs> uh, he was too busy in 95, Nate. Sorry. He's just ruining everything. Um, so uh, so Pollyanna yeah. was a movie in the 60s, actually. Oh, so okay. adults in the 90s may have known it. They may have gotten the reference a little bit. Uh, a little bit. Also, uh, as a, su- a suggestion for the, for the director, Vincent Gallo. <laughs> the fuck's wrong with these people? <laughs> is that Becca? It, yeah. Yeah. Becca. It, it'll be depressing and he'll cast himself as Zach is what she said. You're not wrong. <laughs> Schumacher. God damn it. I don't know which one's worse. so mad. Okay. Well, <laughs> hell of a time. Hell of a time. Um, I feel, it feels good to do this one. Yeah, no, this was a this fun was, episode. A big one. I had a really good time with this one. Uh, definitely feel that, better than the mummy. God damn! Oh Jesus Christ, that was a slog. Like, yeah, we're not our, like we make like, we make a point of like not wanting to shit on movies and performers right. for this for this podcast. But holy shit, that movie was so the mummy two thousand seventeen was so fucking bad. I. I, I brought it up with one of my coworkers, yeah, like just on a whim, just like I watched the I watched the 2017 version of the Mummy, and he, uh, he cut me off and goes, "That movie <laughs> fucking sucked." It's just like, yeah, thank you, James. <laughs> like you, you get it. Mm. Well, thank thank all of you guys for for popping in here with your comments. Yeah, um, yeah, it's, it's nice that we we, we to get some comments we can actually include in the main yeah, episode, which not... we very rarely have. What's the spam we normally get? Oh, like the uh, the the uh, Russian uh, sex sixty nine love site. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's hard to respond to those. <laughs> <laughs> I just like to point out to you when they happen. I don't. Good I don't Christ. respond to them at all. I don't. Um, oh, I'm, I'm I'm excited for next episode too. Yes. Oh my God. Yeah. Because uh, uh, as we mentioned, we're doing uh, a second guilty pleasures episode that'll be out next week. We're bringing mm-hmm. on our dear friend Scott, uh, our director of photography with Ramming Speed Pictures, and former guests on, sadly, oh our uh, <laughs> our saving Christmas episodes. We owe it to him. We owe him. Yeah. We owe. You know, we felt like we owed Scott a, uh, a a chance to do something fun. And not soul crushing. So we're going to be doing guilty pleasures too. Uh, if you want to watch ahead, we we are. Oh god, well, well, I'm bringing. You're uh, doing the game. I'm doing gamer. Gamer. Uh, 2009, starring Gerard Butler and Michael C. Hall. Scott's doing hackers. Scott's doing I'm hackers. Sure Ni- 1995. I'm okay. pretty sure. And I'm doing the Flintstones movie. 1994. 
uh, <laughs> John Goodman <laughs> and Rick Moranis. I think I watched it at Nate's house before, actually. Um, and we're super excited to get to kick back and do something fun like that for the holidays. Uh, as a quick programming note, after that, we will be taking a little bit of a break. Mm-hmm. Not a total break, but we're going to cut down to bi-weekly releases where we're going to have a deleted scenes episode come out after a week off. And then a week and then a couple weeks after that, we're going to have uh, we're going to do like a loose, like a relaxed fit, like best yeah. of best of 2022. Just like stuff that we really liked from the year. I've also made a list of movies I'm looking forward to. Yes, I, I've got a, I've got a handful of those as well. So we'll talk about that in January, and uh, you know, and then after that we'll start coming back with our regular schedule and start gearing up for the Razzies proper. As oh God, they, those uh, are coming so soon. They are coming, man. Oh They're right around the fucking bed. Can't wait to talk about Morbius. <laughs> <laughs> so long as it's not the fucking Hunter Biden movie, then I'm fine. <laughs> That's just. I think we can agree that if that happens, we're just going to talk about Morbius. Yes, I agree. Yikes. All right. Uh, so thank you guys so much for, for sticking around here with us. Uh, this was an absolute blast. Yeah. I'm feel, I feel really happy with this, with, with these episodes here. Uh, so if you, if you enjoyed it, please rate and review everywhere you listen to podcasts. We're on, uh, iTunes, Spotify, tell your mom, tell your mom, tell your cats, we're, tell your cats. We're on good pods, uh, your Stitcher, cats. wherever you listen to podcasts, those ratings go a long way to getting us into more people's ear holes, uh, so that more and more people can have fun with us here. You can uh, always help. It always helps to share the episodes on social media as well. So if you're not following us there, uh, you can follow us on Facebook at Derousal Podcast, Instagram at Derousal underscore Podcast, TikTok at Derousal underscore Podcast, and Twitter at Derousal Pod. Jack's got a thing up his nose. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about how I have to be up in like four and a half hours, which and is I was dumb. wondering if I jam this up there far enough <laughs> if i'll have an excuse to not work tomorrow so i can't stop bleeding <laughs> do i really have to come in everything's so orange <laughs> <laughs> oh jesus fucking christ well on that note so jack can get some goddamn sleep thank you again be sure to check us out next week where we as always are sure to razzle, razzle dance, dance, yeah. Yeah.